0: This is Danny Cullip and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Waclair, and a frustrating disallowed goal from Josh Madger cost us a well-deserved point at home to Spurs this evening as we missed the chance to floor ourselves out of the relegation zone because of a first half home goal by Toshi. Our poor home record doesn't get any better and we're no closer to knowing if we will get out of this mess or not. I've got Mark Wyatt and Don Love with me to go back over the game and to have a look ahead to Sunday's trip to Anfield. so let's go. Fulham. Before we start, everyone at Fulham Focus would like to pass on our best wishes to Kevin McDonald following the news this week that he requires a kidney replacement. We're all thinking of you and hopefully you'll be back playing soon, Kev. We will still take you back at Fulham as a coach anytime. The place just wouldn't be the same without you. All right, guys, we're on to the Spurs game then. And there were a few changes to the side that drew at Palace, which I think is inevitable when there are three games in a week. As Collins John predicted on the last show, Mario Lamina replaced Angisa, Ivan Caviero came in to replace Bobby Reid and Anthony Robinson replaced Kenny Tese, which meant that Ola Aina was back at right back. We started quite promisingly, didn't we? Um Loftus Cheek had that run at the beginning which ended with a weak shot. Then Anthony Robinson got another weak shot away that went well wide. Harrison Reid almost played Lookman in. It looked bright, didn't it, Mark?
1: Yeah, I think it did. Um I I really enjoyed those kind of opening few minutes. I thought in especially from kickoff, we looked um we looked promising and we looked threatening. Um which the commentators didn't really expect and didn't seem too pleased with, to be honest. But no, I thought we actually started the game really well, and, and like you said, it felt like one of those games where um, you just needed that little, that little good fortune, that little nick, uh, and, and it almost happened in those early moments for us with those those balls going through. But yeah, I, I, at the start of the game, I was pleased.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think for the first you know, what was it, fifteen, sixteen minutes, we actually looked really decent. You know, we we had decent possession, we were making things happen. You know, as you, uh, I'll go back real quick. As you mentioned changes to the lineup, I didn't have a problem with either of the changes, the two changes being, you know, uh, Lamina comes back in. I actually like Lamina over in Giza. I think he's a good player. He's, he's got great, cre uh, creativity, uh, and seems to make things go happen going uh, forward. And then, you know, a lot of people online were saying, why Robinson over, uh, Tete, um, I think it was a little harsh that he didn't make the starting lineup Teddy there, but you know, Robinson's got an engine. And, and as other people have said in our, in our little focus group, you know, it's, he's like a Ferrari who just runs all day. So I didn't have a problem with him being on there to help kind of contain Gareth Bell. So as far as changes, I was okay with both. And, and I agree. We, we looked pretty good in the start.
1: I think it's uh, I think it's interesting as well, isn't it, how Anthony Robinson, that match-up against Matt Doherty, I thought was really interesting. Um, and I find that when we've got, you know, Major and Caviero and Luckman and players that have got that turn of pace, I think we like having, or rather Scott likes having Robinson there because he feels like he can kind of break the line a little bit. And I thought, you know, it was quite interesting when Joe came on, I know we'll, mentioned it later but when Joe Bryan came on and Mitrovic was up front as well it was almost like we we wanted that service because you know Robinson's crossing isn't isn't quite up to the standard that I think Joe's is and and indeed Kenny Tete's as well.
0: Yeah Joe, Joe Bryan's just a bit rusty though isn't he how can you expect Joe Bryan to come in at this stage of the season having played you know probably 10 minutes all season and, and make an impact but we'll come on to that let, let, let's talk about the first half and after that opening spell where we looked really good, Spurs came back into it. Gareth Bale blazed over from a free kick. Then Harry Kane should absolutely have scored in the 18th minute when he uh, he, he put his free header from a, a sun cross right at Areola. But a minute later, we were carved open again. Deli Ali looked like he'd scored in his first start since the opening day, but it was soon awarded as an own goal. Anyone at fault here, lads? I, I'll
2: tell you, I think the goal... Actually, just kind of summed up Fulham in the first half, and that was really bad passes given away in the midfield. We we did this a lot, uh, and actually, you know, another one who I thought did not have a great game and gave a lot of balls away in very dangerous places was Tosin. Um, I I just think he just he did not have a good half at all the first half, let alone you know I'd say he just didn't have a very good game. But that le- getting or I'm sorry. Giving away those balls in the midfield—that's what it undid us every time, because it allowed Spurs to show just how quickly they counter and attack us.
0: Well, I want to come straight back to you, Don, because I know you've got an opinion on this. We we looked very vulnerable at the back, didn't we? Spurs looked very good when attacking us. Of course, they're going to. They've got they've got Son, they've got Kane, they've got Bale, Deli Alley. It's one of the most formidable attacking lineups on paper in Europe, I'd say. Um, some was given acres of space on the left every time they got forward, and at times it felt like it was just a matter of time before they added to the score. Do you think Scott missed a trick here by not playing five at the back?
2: Ah, uh, you, you know the problem with for me five at the back, or if we're going to park the bus or whatever, is that you're count you're you're really hoping for the the the, the breakaway, the, the the quick attack, and I just. I don't think we've really got that in our game, uh, at, at least at the moment. I think the problem with us is we were playing two different styles, okay? The game was four at the back when we were defending, But the minute we got the ball, we quickly seemed to convert over to three at the back, if you notice, most of the time. And what I mean by that is a lot of times Robinson was up there, you know, either on the left or you had Aina, you know, going up as fast as he could. And that's what happened and allowed the goal to happen is we went from that five to three. We gave away a bad pass. Spurs gets the ball. We're wide open and easy for us to be countered on and pass taken out wide for first on to take advantage of, you know, so... That's what I think undid us, was that how we were playing two different types of of lineups, the the four at the back, then three three in the back attacking. So for me, I just wish we'd had more, uh, kept the four at the back most of the time, you know, or if one of the outside wings is going to go forward, then one of those holding midfielders, Reed or Lamina, has got to hold more and stay back in the defense. That's just my thinking.
1: Yeah, it 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 was interesting, wasn't it? Because for that goal especially, it, the confusion between you know Anderson and uh, and Toshan there, it, it it was it was just so confusing for us to even watch. It, it was like Toshan lost the ball, you know, well past the halfway line. And when the ball kind of broke through and you saw you know that formidable uh, formidable front four kind of just tearing away, I, I did assume the worst, and I thought it was going to be a more clean cut goal than it was. I think. We did okay to kind of shepherd them out, and and then it was just kind of an unfortunate touch, wasn't it? I did mention as well that I thought Yoka there when it when the ball kind of gets into the box and it, and I think it was Son on the left who had it. I think Robinson is in a fantastic position there to to shepherd it, and he doesn't need help there. But Yoka just kind of drifts over towards the ball, and it makes it so much easier for for Deli Ali to to kind of impose himself in that space, which means Tosh is caught in in two minds and has to kind of lunge over to try and stop the ball um so although i do think tosh you know i agree with you there don i think he did have a tough and i don't think he uh he did himself any favors but for the goal i i thought it was just a bit of a comedy of errors but you know that it's few and far between we see that in the last couple of weeks which makes it so much more difficult to take
0: in an age when we seem desperate to disallow goals and give the advantage to to the defenders I've just sat here whilst you guys have been talking and they've been slowing the the goal down over and over again. I don't know what they're talking about um, because I've got the sound down on the TV, obviously, because we're recording. But just watching it, Harry Kane is miles offside and he's behind Tashin. So he must be three or four yards offside. Now, Tashin does not have eyes in the back of his head. And as that's been attributed as an own goal, is Harry Kane interfering with play? Because... Is Tashin thinking I've got to touch this to take it away from the bloke who's behind me? So should the goal have been disallowed? I'm, I haven't thought about it until now, until I've just been watching it. But you know, it, it's surely a point, isn't it?
1: I th- I think it's something to do with the uh, the order in which yeah it, the order in which things happen. So the, the way in which the, when the ball comes across, I don't I think the offside gets or the interfering with play rather gets cancelled out by the fact that it goes in first off tosh i know it's a difficult one isn't it because the law seem to overlap all the time and 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 it it, it you just sat there as a viewer, you especially when we can't get into the the ground you just sat there wondering what the hell is going on and hoping that the commentators can make some sense of it
2: well you know mark th- this is kind of something that drives me nuts you you talk about how uh the the letter of the law and things like that It makes me wonder is that that a case of the whole stupid, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to use that word, but I'm going to, it's stupid, this delay of offside's flag. Uh, There were several times in this match where they delayed the offside flag, you know, and it causes our players to have to come out and defend really harsh and really quickly, you know. If they would just give the offside right away when it's offside, a lot of this confusion and other BS wouldn't happen
0: i think the rules need a massive overhaul don't they especially now with var the the rules do need to be looked at because it's it's becoming more and more frustrating uh, as the weeks go by and more teams are feeling hard done by than and for different reasons than they used to as well you know if you came away from a game and you, you used to think you know the referee was rubbish there he's got it wrong he hasn't seen this incident that's happened at 100 miles an hour at the time that was okay you kind of thought well you know it's human error but now you've got these really weird rules that overlap with replays on the tv and you know it's it's not football as we know it is it you know that 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 goal that we scored in the second half you know we'll we'll come on to it i, I don't want to talk about it yet we we've got a couple of other points to come on to but I, we'll we'll come on to that um before the first half ended, it, it looked like I, I just wanted to get to, to half time just being one goal down. And then I, th- I thought that we'd have a good go at it in the second half. But we should have been level at half time. We should have been level. That chance from Lamina right on half time, where he's blasted the ball over from about 10 yards out. He's got to do better with that, hasn't he, Mark? He's got to at least hit the target.
1: Yeah. And, and it just adds up to that, that woeful amount of misses that, that I feel like it's just a merry go round at the moment. Every player's getting their chance to to absolutely waste a golden chance in in every single game. And, uh, you know, I mean, there isn't the number one person you want that chance to fall to, let's be honest. But but still, these guys need to be hitting the target or at least, you know, making a good effort out of it and, and, and testing the keeper there. It... I said it before on the, the last podcast we did, uh, just about how many chances we're giving up. And, and you can talk about expected goals and, and things like that. But you can't really plan for the goalkeeper tipping it into the path of another player and a, and a goal happening there. But we're just missing out on, on all these opportunities. And it feels so simple as well. And they come, in, they come in really important moments in games for us where we're desperate to get a goal back into it. Uh, and when we see moments like that, and we had a couple more in the second half with, with headers, it, it's just so deflating.
0: Well, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll come to you, Don, about that, because we did have a couple of really good chances right after halftime. Um, there was Anderson's header, which was tipped over by Hugo Lloris, um, which looked like it was possibly going over the crossbar anyway. And then from that corner, Tashin got a header on target. We were knocking on the door, you know... Again, it comes down to the fact that we we just don't seem to be able to convert set pieces,
2: finishing, and and having a bit of luck is not currently Fulham's you know strength or or just not in their cards. Um, I, I don't know what to do. You know, it's one of those things where it's almost like you need everybody to break a, their first duck again, you know, and just get get on the streak. And once that duck's broken, everybody's going to start scoring left and right. And it's going to be, holy shit, they can't do no wrong. But we're just in this, this rut that we can't seem to break where we can't score. Um, I'm going to jump back real quick to you talking about that ball coming in, Lamina's chance and, and him skying the ball. Uh, you know, a lot of people, again, were putting down Robinson for why is he starting, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that chance came out of Robinson and that chance also, I believe it started out with Anderson who, oh my God, I think he had a phenomenal game. Uh, I just think Anderson was my man of the match easily. We'll come back to that. But Robinson, you know, a lot of people give him crap because yeah, his crosses are not really happening. They're not doing a lot, but man, he gets the ball there and he goes through two, three players getting it to the touchline and puts the ball across where Josh Maja is is able to lay it off quickly to give Lamina that chance. So I'm, ge- I'm giving kudos to Robinson. I'm sorry. I thought he was a great choice for this match. He did a good job getting in several times, cutting inside, making little things happen. So I agree good, good job for Robinson.
0: I, I agree with you. I thought in the first half, Anthony Robinson was our best player. What do you think, Mark?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been a Jedi lover all season. To be honest, I think he's he's come in and stepped up, and and just I think he's really taken to it. And and the thing that I like the most about him is he's got in abundance, just like uh, Addy has got Adamola. He's got that kind of. Oh, that 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 burst, that energy, you know, that he wants to be on the pitch, you, and he knows that, that that every game he's he's fighting for his shirt, and it produces fantastic performances from him, and 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 you know he, the way that he kind of orchestrates on the wing, sometimes, you know, he's well, here he's a great piano player too, you know, he he just knows what he's doing, you know, and I think. Like Dom said there, he had a chance, I think, when it fell to him on the edge of the box. And, and I thought maybe this is his chance. He tried to shift it onto the right foot, didn't he? But he just kind of scooped and clawed at it a little bit too much. But I think he'll get his time. And, and I genuinely think we've got a, a really solid player there that, that that could stay at the club for a long time, which is pleasing.
0: All right, well, let's let's come on to the elephant in the room then, the disallowed goal. Let's discuss it. Point-blank range, arm by his side. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know that Peter Walton came on to BT Sport tonight and said that if the ball hits the arm of an attacking player which and it leads directly to a goal, then it has to be disallowed. But come on, that, that's bollocks, isn't it? That's absolutely bollocks. There was nothing he could do. It was, it was kicked at him from point-blank range. His arm wasn't in an unnatural position. It was down by his side and it just rebounded off his arm and it's a great finish by Josh Madger. It's a goal, isn't it? Why are we disallowing goals like this? Why are we taking away goals of that quality? It's it's ridiculous, and that could cost us at the end of the season. That and many other things that we've, you know, of our own doing, but we don't need things like that to go against us.
2: You know, for me, it's one of the most contentious things in in football right now. So if that's given at the other end of the pitch, and, and the commentators all said this, if that's given at the other end of the pitch, okay, no penalty is given because it'd be too harsh. Okay, well, now we're at the scoring side of the pitch. Literally, I, I, I truly believe this now. Be- because players know that handball is going to be given more times than not, th- there are so many players that they know they're in the box. They're two feet away from a player. They're just going to blast it in hopes that there's a handball given. Because there's nothing the player can do from two feet away. And he did a great job. He had his hand down by his side. It wasn't an intentional. Oh, he had his hand, you know, up high or arm out or anything like that. So for it to be disallowed, I know it's the letter of the law. That's just as harsh as it gets, and it's gonna and and it's just one more thing that is killing Fulham this season.
1: And for you, Mark, you must have an opinion on this. Yeah, well, I'll actually raise to you what you said there, Don, about it being one of the most contentious issues in football at the moment. And I think it's probably one of the most contentious issues that the Premier League has ever faced um, in terms of the rule book. This is a massive change, isn't it, um, what we've seen this season? We've, we know that the Premier League... Um, and the FA aren't afraid to to change the rule book halfway through a season. We've seen that already with the offside law. Um, the the thing that sticks for me is is this kind of precedent we're making of of having different rules of the game uh, in different divisions. If you go down to to non-league conference, uh, even in the in, in the football league, you know these kind of decisions aren't happening uh, down there. You know a, a handball is seen for what it is, and and you know the. The, the honesty of a player, although it's testing in the Premier League, it's still taken into account and, and and accidental handballs are still a thing. It it just upsets me that we're we're moving into this kind of world where, especially for Fulham and, you know, you can categorize us as a bit of a yo yo team at the moment it's difficult isn't it one one year you're telling your squad you know this is the rule book this is what you've got to play by uh, and the next year it's completely different I understand with things like you know VAR you, you've got to have a couple of adaptations into the rules um, and I understand the reasons why we can't have VAR a, across the land but in those scenarios you know handball, I, I don't think VAR really does much to to, to help it I think in, if anything it's just it's impeding the game and and like Don said there it's that's a massive point that we've just, uh, that's a massive few points that we just dropped. Uh, And and in the story of our season, it it could be incredibly telling.
0: Well, I I want to ask you guys, uh, because I asked the guys at the weekend, in particular, Collins-John, because we had him on um, as a centre forward. But what do you guys think? Does Josh Madger warrant a place on the pitch when we're creating very little? He doesn't offer much other than finishing, does he? Or, Or am I missing something, Don?
2: Um, this is a tough one for me because who are you going to put in that place right now? It's either going to be Josh for me, Metro, and the other person I'm going to give a shout out to who I thought I had a very good game today would be Cavalero. Okay. Uh, A lot of people would scoff and they're going to laugh and they maybe are now turning off the pod because I mentioned Cavalero, but you've got to have a target man. If we're going to be playing this 4-2-3-1 system like we have been playing a lot, you got to have a target man. Even if you're going to play uh, 4-4-2, you got to have a target man and then that second striker that plays off that target man. So we're just limited in options right now in that attack. So who, who are you going to pick? I personally think Josh Maja is looking pretty good. I thought he created some great chances. He did very well. Uh, to hold up play, to bring in other players, you know, uh, uh, to have goal-scoring opportunities. Now, sadly, they're not leading to goals in the back of the net. But I like him. And I I hope he actually sticks around. So I I, I can't see dropping him right now. That's me.
0: I don't know. uh, Well, the reason I put that question in was because I thought he – did absolutely nothing. I mean, I know I know he created that chance for Lamina in the first half where he had, he had his back to goal and he couldn't really do much else other than lay it off to the player who was running in. But I just think he's largely anonymous in games. Um, and I, I like how he can finish. You know, he, his finish for the goal that never was tonight was second to none. It was a great finish. But I don't think he offers much else other than that, whereas I think Mitrovic can defend and he can hold the ball up and bring other players in.
2: Okay, hold on. What is, let, let's be honest. Uh, if you've seen him play now, Josh has played five matches, right? I, th- I believe that he's had five now, four or five. Josh Maja is nothing more than a fast, younger Metro. What I mean by that is he's a man of opportunity. And I think, you know, that's Metro in a, in a, in a nutshell. Metro's always been that guy, right place, right time, make things happen. I think Josh is just like that. So if you put balls in the box, I think Josh is going to do just as well as Mitchell can. We're just not putting all those balls in.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So if we're not putting those balls into the box, then what's the point? Yeah.
2: But the difference, again, is he's got speed. Mitchell doesn't really have that speed and you know the stamina right now. I think oh. Josh does. So you've got a player that you can use, utilize his speed. Does oh, that make oh, sense? Rare.
0: Yeah, absolutely, but I'll ra- I'll raise you Josh's speed with Mitro's reputation and Mitro's track record and the goals that he scored. Major hasn't scored goals anywhere, really. Yeah,
2: no, no, don't get me wrong. If you want a guy right now in this league who is that strong, sit-up top, receive the ball, bring other players in, you know, or is going to make things happen, Mitro is that guy, okay? And it's I'm sad that he hasn't seen more game time. But... I think if Josh gets that in his arsenal, that little s- more strength, learns to be able to hold the ball up more, bring people, he's Mitro's replacement, younger version. Not even not,
0: even not even replacement because Mitro's what is he twenty five? He's still he's still yet to <laughs> hit his prime. He's still yet to hit his prime. I know I know he looks like he's a bit older, but you know I, I think harsh place, life. Yeah, quite yeah, quite. But there's a place for those two to play together eventually. Oh, absolutely. To If we're creating the chances, but if we're not creating the chances, I'd rather have Mitro who could create those chances for himself than matchup.
2: And I'd I'd be curious to hear what Mark would say about this. Okay, yeah, you say, you know, let's do it. Let's go 4-4-2, okay? Mitro now is that guy up top. We drop Josh off his shoulder, and we let the two of them play together. Oh, my God, I think that could be really lethal, extremely lethal.
1: I know exactly why you want to do that, Don, and that's so you can get Ruben Loftus cheek out the team, isn't it? I know your game. Um, I, I think the idea is interesting. I do. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it quite yet myself. Um, I, I do like them playing together. I thought it was a uh, uh, you know nice to see the pivot off each other. I think Mitrovic, who said it, if if, if we said it once, you know, we've said it a thousand times. He's a confidence player. Um, whether he's uh, he's ready to to jump in. And, and, and save our season in the dying embers I'm not too sure um I, I would st- personally I would stick with major um I think the way we play with him in the team is is slightly different and I think it in a way I think we actually as a team have a bit more confidence playing with with Maja up front uh, just because of the way that he can kind of break the lines um and, and obviously like we said you know his pace is is also important for us there um I also want to highlight just before we uh if we don't move on to him, I thought Harrison Reed was again one of those just players today that's just so classy. I thought he did his job brilliantly. I thought there were very few moments that he looked, you know, off the pace. Um again, I think the commentators did say that he, he he's a bit of a snip at eight million. Um I think compared to the other the players he's he's around and, and geese obviously had such a brilliant start to the season, he's slowly becoming my my player of the season alongside Yoko and and maybe Ariola as well. I think Harrison really has just been fantastic for us.
0: Very difficult to argue with that. The way he's been playing and, and Anderson as well. You're right. They're they're real stars of the season. And of course Ariola as well. Let, let's just quickly talk about the substitutions that were made tonight. So Angita did come on for Loftus Cheek right after the uh, the goal that never was. Then Mitrovic came on for Caviaro shortly afterwards. And then Joe Bryan came on for Anthony Robinson with 15 minutes of the game remaining. What were your thoughts on the changes? I mean, Don, I I thought we were already the better side in the second half. So it was almost like we were trying to turn the screw and get the equalizer.
2: I I think Parker was going for it. I think he absolutely said, we're we're going for this, that that he wasn't going to mess around. you know. And for once, uh, with the exception of bringing Bryan on there at the end, He didn't go defensive-minded saying, oh, I'm going to take out, you know, Robinson and bring on Tete or something like that, okay? So, for me, I had no problem with, okay, I need some fresh legs, you know, kind of in that midfield. I'm going to bring in Gisa in right off the bat. Then I'm bringing in Mitro. I'm going for it. So, one thing I will say real quick, you you talk about how we were the better team in the second half, and I think a lot of that led to how – immediately uh, they changed uh, player positions. And what, and what I mean by that is Parker immediately changed Lookman out to the left-hand side and he put Loftus-Cheek back in the middle. And I think two things there, Loftus-Cheek being in the middle, well, I don't really see him offering anything. I, I just, I could do without him. He he is a strong player and that's what is killing Fulham right now is they don't have that strong killer midfielder that can really make things happen. Uh, Loftus-Cheek gets lucky. He gets the ball. He goes through two, three players, but there's no end product. You know, Lookman out on the left again, though, that really brings out the best in Lookman and allows him to get forward and make things happen. So I think that change really helped control the game there in the beginning of the second half and made things really happen. And we can talk about how Loftus cheek. If if we could just get a Loftus cheek that could score and do better things, like a Danny Murphy or something, we could you really unlock this fucking team.
0: <laughs> you, you don't want much, do you? Just, well, just, I'm, like, just I'm just saying. I'm sorry,
2: but that's the key that's missing right now. Is Loftus cheek yeah. is not doing his thing, and maybe Mark, you know, is probably more of a Ro- uh, Robin Loftus cheek guy than I am a fan. But I don't see the money that he that we're paying for him and the outcome of what we get out of him. For the value, but,
0: but the the money aside, and the fact that he's on loan from Chelsea and his reputation aside, I've asked this before, and I don't think I've asked it to you guys, so it'd be good to get your opinion as well. But we we expected to get this ready-made Premier League goal scorer who was an England international from Ruben Loftus Cheek, and it hasn't quite worked out the way that we hoped it would because because you know he came to us and he was he was injured. And he was looking to get his form back, and that's that's why he, that's that's why he came to us. I mean, if he was if he was the the player that you know, if, if he'd reached his full potential, then he probably wouldn't have come to us. He probably would have been at Chelsea, knocking on the door of their first team this season. So, are we are we judging Ruben Loftus Cheek on what we thought he would be this season, or are we judging him on what we're seeing? Go on, Mark.
1: I'm judging him on what I'm seeing, uh, and and what I'm seeing is absolutely. Just, just not up to, not up to the part. To be honest, I think you know. Did we expect some sort of um, world beater? I don't know. Other people might have. I didn't. Um, I've, we've seen Ruben off his cheek, and funny enough, one of the only times that I've seen him perform really quite well was in, in a cameo against us at Stamford Bridge a couple of years ago when he came on and scored. Or I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good then. But I, I think if you're not performing for for Fulham this season, and I mean. You know, he had an okay spell at Crystal Palace before, didn't he? Um, I mean, he, he was decent there. That's best I can get out of it.
0: I think the Palace fans really like him, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Palace fans can really like him. And, and the Palace fans also really like Christian Benteke. It doesn't make him an amazing player. You know, it, it's... I, I just find with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, He he... Every single week you want more out of him. And 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 for a player that's playing in such an important position, we go on every week with players and we can talk about the strikers all we want. But if the if the person sitting behind them isn't doing their job properly, then it's such a difficult nut to crack. And I, I understand what, what's been going on with TC. And you know, obviously he's had his injury problems and but the other creative players that, that could play in that position just aren't really available. Um it, it's just difficult. And and seeing the news that that Scott is, is interested in signing him and, and getting him on, on a full term. I think Thomas Tuchel will be happy with that. I really do. I think Thomas Tuchel will look at that. Maybe the Chelsea hierarchy won't agree with it <clears throat> because I know Chelsea like their loan model. But to be honest, he's if he's not showing any kind of performance levels for us, then, then they're not going to want him back down at Cobham in August. I can tell you that, you know. Uh, and, and to be honest, I think if we do end up signing him, it's just going to be another player that that sits on the weight Um and just does nothing. He's got a lot, a lot to prove.
0: Yeah, but I, I think the the financial side of that is is you know needs to be taken into consideration, doesn't it? Because if if he costs us thirty million, then arguably we're not getting value for money. But if he costs us five million, then I'd probably take it.
1: Because at you're, Arlen, you're, ne- you're never getting him for five million, I'm afraid. You're, you're I, never doing it. I know. I I know.
0: That, that's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying that the financial side of it comes into it more than the the ability side of it, right?
1: Yeah, it it could just be for for Loftus Cheek another season on the bench at Chelsea, and then the season after another loan to a to a promoted club.
2: Okay, let's let's talk the financial side, and this is where I, I I'm not trying to give Tony Khan a, a, a you know a high five or anything, but what if instead of that thirty million, eight million or something? Kahn and company turns around and finds an Anderson-like midfielder, okay, who can take the place. I mean, he's done a great job there finding Anderson. I mean, he he was phenomenal today. I mean, the runs he made, not just in defense, but bringing the ball out of the back, you know? What if instead of paying $30 million for Loftus-Cheek and us making Chelsea richer and happier that he's not on their books anymore, we get lucky and Tony Kahn goes out and finds a better number 10, for a third of the price. That's my dream, and just hope, all de- at least.
1: It just all depends on what league we're in, doesn't it, Don?
0: It does. There's so there's so many ifs, buts, and maybes at the moment. And 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 there's also a lot of question marks over, you know, the types of players that Tony Khan signed in the past. I mean, you know, he he for for every um Anderson that he's bought in on loan, he's bought in uh Marcello Giallo. So you know, or uh um Rui Fonte for nine million, you know. So was, was
1: Tim was Tim Hoogland a, a, a Tony Khan signing? Uh,
0: yeah, I think he uh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, that was that would have been two thousand and fifteen. So yeah, maybe I think, not. I'm not sure. Not sure.
2: But on the positive side, okay. Well Tony Khan has had some total cock ups, just oh, you know, what, what yeah. he was thinking. Yeah, but Dar- he has Dar- had some great bring-ins, though. He's brought, in Tos- He's brought who in does? Tolson, who's done well. Anderson, yeah. Aina, Tete. I mean, these are guys who have all done really well. Robinson. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Who doesn't make mistakes? That's my point. There's oh, yeah. Been, oh, yeah. There have been a lot of mistakes. And he'll always, he'll always be judged on his mistakes more so than his successes. Because how many people slack like off Tony Khan because we're in the bottom three in the Premier League and because we did terribly two years ago. But how how many people give him credit for the fact that we did get promoted at Wembley against Aston Villa? We did get promoted at Wembley against Brentford. You know, it, you, you judge more on your failures, more more so than than your successes. And he always will be. And, you know... <sighs> I, I, hope, I, I, I hope we do stay up because it would be it would be the Khan's biggest success so far if we did stay up this season.
2: Okay, I got to say you know, I'm down here in Georgia, so you know we would say, "Go on, preach, brother, preach, preach."
1: Now that I feel that we've uh, we've ticked off all the the major Fulham points for the season, we've done Tony Khan, we've we've done Metro, we, we're ticking them all off. Um, I just want to add in a slightly more niche uh, one from tonight, um, and that's that's Joe Bryan's haircut. I don't know if either of you clocked it um he was supporting a, an awful awful trim one of his worst um but that made me feel so much i, I loved it um it's good to see someone rocking a full lockdown haircut a full lockdown mane, knowing that he hasn't had a celebrity barber pop round his house and, and do it for him so shouts out to to joe Bryan for that
2: you know that is just one of the guys Everything I've seen about him uh, on on Instagram and everything else, I just love him. He he is just a down-to-earth, straightforward person, no messing around. So I thought that haircut was perfect, absolutely perfect.
0: Or lack of haircut. <laughs> it was yeah, just a, a classic. Yeah, I haven't had my haircut for a few months, but who cares? Yeah, fair play. Let's get back to the football, shall we? Let's get back to tonight's game. Um we let's come on to the, the, the dying stages of the game. There was a great save with around seven minutes left and Harry Kane looked odds on to score. Ariola smothered the ball. You just thought he scored, didn't you, Mark? It's
1: it was one of those, wasn't it? You just you just kind of with every with every mind in your body, you just think and I don't know about you guys, but my stream's a little bit behind and I shouldn't have it, but I've got notifications on, on my phone. So I'm seeing things happen a little bit too early, and it's just one of those when you're just praying, aren't you? But new straight away. Yeah. You know, great. those
2: those notifications are the thing that drives me nuts. So you you guys in the WhatsApp group, I turn you guys off. I I don't read or listen to the WhatsApp group because inevitably if I'm watching the game, it starts beeping with all the notifications from you guys. And if I hear like a thousand beeps go off in 30 seconds, I know something bad's either happened or or foam scored. And I don't want to know because if I look, it's always they've been scored against. So I turn it off.
0: Don't blame you. Don't blame you. And not only for that reason, but for every other reason as well, for all the other conversations that go on in that group. All right. Well, let's, let's come on to the man of the match. Then Uh, Don, who would you give man of the match to tonight? Tough one. I think it's always a tough one when we've lost,
2: you know, again, Several great players I thought had some really good uh, uh, chances tonight and and did some great things. I'm going with Anderson because not only did he do a great job in the defense, there were several times, again, he calmly collects the ball, sees an opening, carried the ball. There was like twice he did this, all the way past the midfield, lays it off to like Iena or Lamina or somebody who he – Continues his run, and unfortunately the ball is not put through for him to continue and do something with. So he makes these fantastic runs out of the back. He's just so calm more times than not. I only saw like once or twice, maybe where he made a little mistake. Luckily amounted to nothing. So he's my guy. Could have easily gone with Reed every game. You know, he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet. And the other person is Cav. I thought Cav actually had a great game too. So Anderson, but I could have gone with a couple others.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I think you're right. And the, the tragedy of this season, if we don't stay up, will be that Anderson will definitely not stay. We don't know if he'll stay anyway, even if we do stay up. But it, it will be a damn shame to lose him because he's he's absolutely brilliant, both as a player and as a leader, I think. Um, but for me tonight, my man of the match would have been Anthony Robinson just for his performance in the first half. I know he was withdrawn in the second half, um, but I thought he had a really good game both at the back and getting forward. Um, He was really determined. He was beating players. And, uh, yeah, I I thought it was one of his better games for the club, to be honest. How about for you, Mark?
1: Yeah, well, this must be a first. We're picking three different players. Um, uh, You know, I alluded to it earlier. Um, I thought Harrison Reid or Steve Sidwell 2.0, was just you know sublime. Um, I just think you know considering the opposition he was up against, and uh, and Ndombelé is is no you know no one easy to handle, especially when you don't have the physicality of Anguissa there to to deal with it. I just thought he stepped up to the plate really well as he has done um, on a number of seasons, uh, a number of occasions this season.
0: Fair play. All right, let's let's come on to a Scott Parker racing. I'm going to go first for this one because. Unusually, I'm going to give him a high rating because I thought we were very good tonight. And um, as we come into the running, we've I think we've got 11 games to go. Scott Parker's known as quite a defensive manager, I think, and quite a cautious manager. But I didn't see that from him tonight. And he, he's obviously reacting to the situation that we're in and thinking we've got to go for this. And even, all right, in the first half, defensively we didn't look great, but we held out and only conceded one goal. And in the second half, it was all us. It was all us. We had the higher amount of possession. We we were really attacking. We were really going for it. And it, it, against the side that had Harry Kane, Son, all right, Bale was taken off, but Deli Ali as well. We really were the better side in the second half. And I'm, I'm going to give him
1: eight out of 10. How about for you, Mark? Um, yeah, I thought he did well. Um, I thought that the substitutions, um, I mean, look. I, I feel like every single fan wants earlier substitutions, and every single manager wants later substitutions. They don't. They want to see the team that they chose doing the job that they want them to do. So, I, I'm not going to knock him too much for, for bringing on players too late. I'm going to give him. Um, I'm going to give him seven. Scott Parkers out of ten. Scott Parkers.
2: And you, you know, well, you know, I understand what Mark is saying. Uh, I, I actually kind of thought the opposite. I thought for once Scott brought players on a slightly earlier than normal. You know, to me, it really irritates me when managers are trying to make a change and they don't do it until the 82nd minute, you know, 85th minute. Whereas he was starting to make changes in the 70th, 75th type minutes. So, for me, I I give Scott an eight, and I'm gonna say an eight for various reasons. He, we are very unlucky that the golden account we didn't at least get a point out of this, and that's not Scott's problem. He, I think he did everything right, and what I mean by that is he realized first half there taking advantage of us, so he switched things up and he switched lamina and I mean uh, lookman and uh, Loftus cheek their roles which changed everything immediately in the first half, and then I think his substitutions were right on time and pretty much right on the money you know the minute uh, and Gisa came on we had some fresh legs we we really started taking it back to him and then when he bought brought Metro in, I thought everything really did happen to where we were going at him good you know really well so it's unlucky that we didn't get a point. I really do feel like it, this is one of those games that we were really harshly done. We should have gotten a point out of this. So no fault to Parker. Give him an eight.
0: Well, Sonia's just uh, WhatsApped me. You know, Sonia Twig. She's just been at the press conference with Scott Parker. And Scott Parker has commented on VAR, and this is a direct quote. We are trying to make the game so pure and so sterile and trying to control every single face with an absolute T. And that's where the problem lies for me. And he also added that VAR is killing the goal celebration, excitement and ruining the raw emotion of football, which I really think sums up how many of us feel about uh, VAR and how we feel about football this season. And before we got promoted to the Premier League, even this season, why we were um, kind of saying, well, if we don't go up, at least we won't have to worry about VAR. And, you know, uh, without VAR all right, it's a rule problem tonight, as Baldwin would say, that's um, that's caused that goal to be ruled out. It's, it's a rule, but it's a rule that wouldn't have been applied if it wasn't for VAR, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it's similar to what I said earlier about how this kind of mentality of having to chop and change the rule book every single time. You know, maybe there's like a big... You know, 18,000-page document that lands on the desk at Motspur Park every time we get promoted to the Premier League, letting letting Scott and the team know about all the all the different changes. It's just a shame, uh, just a shame that, it, like we said, it's it's costing us. And you know, to see Scott uh, call it out for what it is is, you know, it's it's pleasing to see. And I think Scott is is usually on the on the, on the forefront of a lot of this kind of stuff. And I think he is happy to 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 put his uh put his money where his mouth is. So I'm I'm pleased to see that.
2: I'm going to throw in just one thing, uh, as positive as I can be, and then we can move on to your Liverpool or whatever, and we can end this section of the pod. doesn't matter about VIR, whether or not it's in the championship or we're going to be dealing with it next year, because we are going to be dealing with it next year. We are going to stay up, and we will be dealing with it again because we will be in the Premier League again next year. What was it you said earlier, Brother Preach? I'm trying. I'm trying. Raise your hands if you still believe. That's all I gotta say. Just raise your hands if you still believe.
0: <laughs> Love it. All right, let's let's leave it there then. Let's come on to uh the weekend's game against Liverpool. Fulham. All right, lads. Well, it's another game this weekend. We've got Liverpool at Anfield on Sunday. Um, but before we go to that, there's some other games that we should have a look at. So there's two games on Saturday. There's Burnley against Arsenal at 12.30, lunchtime on Saturday. And then there's Brighton against Leicester at 8pm on Saturday as well. Um, let's come to you and get your predictions for these games. I'm going to do this for every every game, uh, sorry, every podcast that I present where, where there's games coming up. So Don, let's first of all get your uh, prediction for Burnley versus Arsenal. Do you think Burnley are going to get anything from that?
2: Arsenal seems to have kind of come into a little bit of a stride, um, so I am hoping that they are going to take all three points. I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1 Yeah, but I could see Burnley, you know, all of a sudden, just Fulham's luck getting three points or another point out of it. So, I mean, they've, I mean, they've also done fairly well lately, so...
0: I'm going to keep asking about Burnley until they pull themselves clear, but I kind of expect them to pull themselves clear just off the back of their home form because they always do, you know, they're, they're that bloody pain in the arse side, but they're still within range at the moment. So we'll still keep them in consideration until, until they do get clear. How about you, Mark? Do you, do you see
1: Arsenal getting anything at Burnley? Um, I'm not too sure, really. I, I, I had a, Temptation to reply just then with, with how Oli Gunnar Solskjaer replied to an interviewer as Cardiff manager when they asked him whilst he was in a relegation dogfight about what he thought about Liverpool's title chances. And he said... Um, <laughs> I think he said I don't care. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I think he said I couldn't care less. Uh, I'm yeah. just so interested in Fulham the moment. But no, hmm. um, I, I think oh, Burnley, are Burnley, aren't they? And and and, and whether whether uh, whether Arsenal have got anything left in the tank uh, following their their European exploits is another question. Um, I think Sean Dyche will make it a slugfest, and and I think he'll do that. Knowing full too well that that a single goal can nick it, whether he can keep uh, Arsenal quiet is another thing. But um, I'm predicting a, a one 0 Can't can't choose either way though. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll check those
0: splinters on your ass on um, on Sunday morning, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'll, come, I'll come I'll come straight back to you then for Brighton Leicester, which is on Saturday evening at eight o'clock. That's probably more important to us. We could really do with Leicester. Doing us another favour as they did against Burnley this week when they got a point against them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Brighton on in in the form table, if you cut it in half, are, are absolutely flying, aren't they? Um, whether they can get another result is is a is a is a is a tough one. I think they they offer a lot as well going forward, and and obviously they're they've kind of kept themselves at a steady pace away from us in this relegation fight. There was a moment where I thought they may. Uh, they may kind of get sucked back into it, but they seem to be a little bit head and shoulders at the moment. Um, I'm going to go with a 1-0 and win, actually. Oh,
0: God. Good grief. That's not what we want to hear. That is not what we want to hear. (laughs) That is the last thing we want to hear. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go 1-0. What do you reckon, Don?
2: I got a feeling. I don't know. I think 2-0. I think Leicester wins.
0: OK, yeah, that's that's more like it. That's more like it. That's I what think, we want to hear.
2: And, you, you know, I think they're going to figure out how to get balls further, faster up to Vardy, and he's going to be a big goal scorer this time.
0: Yeah. Mark, you don't reckon Vardy's going to score?
1: <laughs> no, he's past it, mate. He's past it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good, because we haven't got to play Leicester again this season, so you can say that. <laughs> All right. And then Sunday lunchtime at uh, midday um, it's West Brom versus Newcastle, which is probably the biggest game this weekend aside from Fulham's trip to Anfield. So West Brom, Newcastle, who do we want to win that? Well, I think I want West Brom to win that. Uh, Don, what do you reckon? I,
2: I agree. And actually I could see it happening. Uh, you know, Newcastle's without two of its main players there. Um I could see Newcastle actually coming down and being right in the thick of the struggle, so I could see them losing. I, I yeah, I think they're going to lose by at least one zero to one. Newcastle loses.
0: I, I'm going to I'm going to be really bold and say three 0 West Brom. What Ooh. do you reckon, Mark?
1: What do you reckon, Mark? I mean, it's perfectly set up for Newcastle to crumble, isn't it? I saw the, mm. the news midweek that uh, that Matt Ritchie and Steve Bruce apparently had a bust up at the training ground. So, uh, fingers crossed, it, it it won't come back to bite me. And Matt Ritchie scores three. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to back Big Sam on this one. I, I I really want him to get get the job done over them. I don't think West Brom have got nearly enough in the tank to to launch a relegation fight, but they're now at. Kind of tantalising period where there's still hope for them, so there's still chance of them them picking up a result. I've got my eye on uh, on Connor Gallagher as well. I think he's a fantastic player, so uh, I, I'm going to back him to score two, and they're going to win two 0
0: That'll do. That'll do. All right, let's come on to our game then. Uh, Liverpool at Anfield on Sunday, two o'clock kickoff. Don, do you see any changes to the lineup? Uh... Do I see
2: see changes that I would like to see, or do I see Parker making some changes? Because I don't see him. either. So a a couple of things there. Um, I would have no problem with the same back four starting, including Robinson. I think, you know, he does offer things going forward. Does he need to improve on his crosses? Absolutely. But I still think he brings a lot to the team. Would I be upset if he was put back on the bench and Tete was put in his place? No. Not at all. Would I be upset that, let's say, Lamina maybe goes back to the bench and Tete steps in his place instead? No, not at all. So there are a few changes I think that could happen. Um, the one person that I wish I could bring into the lineup, and I could only see that happening if Loftus-Cheek goes to the bench, which does not break my heart. We put Cav in the middle, and we put Bobby back out on the right i just like the speed of bobby and i I like his creativeness and he does a really good job of coming back and helping with defense so i personally wouldn't mind cav going to the middle and bobby out to the right that'd be my big change keep lookman on the left don't have him start in the middle
0: cav in the middle in place of matcha
2: which one lookman or cav
0: no, yeah, no. Cav, Cav, would you play Cav in the middle? No, no. I want Cav
2: of- to take Loftus Cheeks roll. Loftus Sorry. goes to the bench. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Sorry. Josh Maja still stays up top. Now, again, I also wouldn't mind seeing maybe we switch to a 4 4 2. Maybe you don't do it right away because of match fitness for Metro, but a little bit earlier in the game, you know, if we need to, let's bring in Metro and have Maja playing off Metro. And again, you know, switch to a four-four-two in my mind. So,
0: how about for you, Mark?
1: Um, I I do think there'll be another fullback change, um, especially if we're expecting Alexander Arnold and Robertson to, to, you know, sit behind their usual Mane and Salah kind of route. Um, Just because I think tete does offer us a little bit more protection in that role um i I'm, I don't know what kind of game i'm expecting to be honest uh, because the last time we played them, albeit with fans in the stadium it was it was it was electric wasn't it um i, I think we're talking about whether players will come in i I don't think he'll start, but I do seem to be forgetting that that Josh onimo was on the bench all night tonight um less enthused about Congolo, who was also on the bench but but for honor's sake, I think there's a there's a, a chance that if this game be, does become uh, unfortunate uh, and we're a couple of goals down at half-time, I don't think there'll be any any harm in bringing him on. Um, I think he's still... Now, I've said it on pods gone by. We're, we're still looking for our for our, Ashkan Dejaga, our kind of you know, flash in the pan towards the end of the season. So, um, if someone can come in and step up for the last few games, then then why not? You know, This
0: is the thing for these three games as well, isn't it? We kind of... You can kind of... If you get anything out of Spurs at home, Liverpool away, Man City at home, then they're, they're bonus points, aren't they? You don't expect necessarily, as a club like us, to get any points out of those games. So, you know, if we are if we are losing, then why not? Why not try and bleed somebody else into the side and get them ready for the running? It, it would be absolutely fine. Um, I, I'm going to come back to you and ask ask you guys how you see the game going. I mean... Liverpool have lost four of their last... They've lost all four of their last home games as we're recording this. They're playing Chelsea as as we record this at the moment at home. So who knows how that's going to go. But their home form, having not lost at home for God knows how long, so many matches, has been appalling. And out of those games, you know, Brighton have won up there, Burnley have won up there, Everton have won there. So... You know, it's not beyond the realms that we could get something, but when you're scrapping for your lives and you need something and you go to Liverpool, then it's one of those ones before the game that you're not necessarily going to think, well, you know, we're going to go and win this. So, Don, how do you see the game going?
2: I am hoping that Fulham get to capitalise on a tired squad, and that's kind of the way I see watching Liverpool and everything right now. They just look tired. You know, I, I, they didn't really change up the squad from last season to this. Um, you know, they've been playing so many games and, you know, and that's one of the Jurgen Klopp's uh, biggest complaints is, you know, all the matches and blah, 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 and small squad, blah, 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 amount of uh, what's his other big complaint amount of subs. They, they, they don't have lack of. So, I'm hoping that Parker makes maybe one or two slight changes, keep some fresher legs on the, on the pitch, and we take it to them. That this could actually be a time that we could take advantage of key players being out from Liverpool. Them currently losing to Chelsea, I believe. I just looked, and they're zero uh, down by one. So hopefully, you know, I I think we could get something out of this. I really do.
0: Well. We're still on twenty three points, Mark, and I think I think thirty five, thirty six keeps us up. So we need another twelve, thirteen points out of the
1: remaining eleven games.
0: How do you see this one going?
1: For me, I think I'm just I'm just looking at Newcastle and us, and I'm not putting any kind of points prediction on it. And I think all of, all we have to do is is better the Newcastle result once before we play them on the final day by getting a win where they don't or grabbing a couple of draws where they don't. And and that's the most important thing for us. We've shown we can, we can cut it with, with these teams. This is a strange season. And like we performed against them last time, I, I think again, we can go to Anfield and, you know, if we're, if we're making records this season by getting our first win on, on on Merseyside soil at Everton, then, then why can't we do it at Anfield? You know, so um, maybe we'll, we'll get the chance to, to put a couple in the net and, and not have to deal with those um you know those fans behind the uh behind the cop and, and come away with a uh, three points. I don't know whether I actually wanna officially predict that we're gonna beat them because I'm not interested in uh in, in the backlash when we get bopped 4-0. So um, I'm, gonna <laughs> gonna a, I'm gonna say it's gonna be I'm gonna say it's being an interesting game and I'm looking forward to it.
0: you really are gonna need uh, um you really are gonna need those splinters removed from your ass. You really are, because I'm just about just—I'm <laughs> literally just about to ask what your score prediction is, and you're saying you're not going to predict it. So come on, all, go right, on. all right, hold on, give hey. me something.
2: So tell the truth now. With that in mind, who waffles more, Mark or J-Mac?
0: Waffles more. I don't know. I, I think if you're asking me who waffles the most, then you haven't put Baldwin into the into the mix. <laughs> you,
1: you have to uh, you have to allow at least like a two hour podcast if me and J-Mac are on together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Come on, come
2: on, Don. Right. What, what's the score going to be at Anfield? 2-1, uh, Fulham win.
0: 2-1, Fulham win? Bloody hell. All right.
2: Yep. All right, well. Uh, Maza, Maza will get one, and then we're going to have somebody's going to come out of nowhere, and we're going to have like this, oh, my God. Josh Onema. or Lamina goal. You know, Josh Onema. Josh Onema.
1: All
2: right. D- there you go. Or, I don't know, Arles. Uh, Robin Loftus-Cheek all of a sudden comes good, and he scores a hat-trick. How's <laughs> he scoring a hat-trick
0: <laughs> if it's 2-1? <two-one? laughs> all right, well, I don't know. I, well, I'm... he'll score
2: a hat-trick, and one will be called back, sadly, because of VAR.
0: Yeah, it, it, the ball would have hit his arm when it was behind his back. Yeah, all right, well, I don't know, i i've I don't see us winning at Anfield. I've got to say, um, especially if they lose to Chelsea tonight. If that's five on the bounds, and we're we're going there, and it, it, you know, maybe we get a point. I don't know, but a point, a, a point, one point from these three games: Spurs, Liverpool, Man City would be would be great in the grand scheme of things. So, um, I, I would take a point.
2: It'd be phenomenal if, especially if Newcastle just keeps losing
0: we've got to hope that they do we've got to hope that they don't put anything out of the bag as well all right well I think that's probably more than enough uh, for one show so thanks chaps our um, next show will be out on Monday morning as we look back at the very tricky trip to Anfield I'll have Stato and Will with me for that show in the meantime thanks for listening have a great weekend and speak to you soon cheers Solom